Jesus, through your spirit, we pray that this whole week long you would prompt us to extend invitations. Invitation is not merely to a church service on an Easter Sunday morning, but an invitation to experience your love that we just sang about. An invitation for individuals to see if maybe at this point in time in their life, they'd be willing to love you back and experience the transformation that can come through the power of the resurrection that we will celebrate next Sunday morning at this time. But Lord, this is this week, Palm Sunday, as Joe said. Good Friday's coming. Easter. It's this week. We have every day, every hour of this week to listen to your Spirit's voice, to extend an invitation, whether we have an invitation in hand or we just help someone to meet us at 8.30 or 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning or we go pick them up, we pray that your spirit would prompt us because we know this is not our work, this is not our church, this is not our kingdom, it's yours. And we want to participate in what your spirit is doing through the relational networks that we have. Friends, family members, co-workers, other maybe extended relatives. Lord, maybe even someone we're challenged with in our life right now. Lord, may you speak to us this week and may we be your hands and your feet. May we extend an invitation, an invitation to an Easter service, but more importantly, an invitation to a relationship with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Keep those with you. We gave a couple to our barber the other day, right, Levi? When we got our haircuts. I want to uh, welcome you, especially if you're new today. Maybe you came because somebody invited you Thanks for taking the uh, uh, ask and making your way here. In your seat back is a connection card, and we'd love for you to fill that out, and uh, we receive those at the end of the service with the Lord's tithes and offerings. In your program are some other highlights and announcements, as well as, uh, I think, uh, summer camp sign-up starting today, those kinds of things, because we want to get everybody enrolled uh, coming through the Easter door next week. I want to say a big thank you to many of you who came to the Spring Fling. How many came to the Spring Fling last Sunday? Three o'clock. What'd you think? Did it come off all right? I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. And, and Joe and I were sick all week with a cold after we were in the dunk tank. Just want you to know that so you could empathize with us. No, thanks. Oh, there you go. I was not. Joe was, though. Joe was a little sick. Oh, Joe was sick before. Why do we put him in the dunk tank? All right. Anyway, he looks good wet. That's cool. That's great. Well, hey, um, I want to uh, invite us to lean in to this book, God's Word, as we finish out our series in um, Philippians. Some of you know that we've been on this journey for several weeks, and so we have entitled it Joy in Christ, and I was trying to think, how do we do a recap of this? Because, you know, you sort of blow through the weeks, four chapters, God had rich things in store for us. And so we're going to do a couple things. We're going to just read some of the highlight verses from the last few weeks. Then we're going to pause and we're going to open up the mic for you to be able to share words of joy in Christ. Joy in Christ, reasons that you rejoice, but maybe in particular because of something that was said or God spoke to you during this series from maybe some of these verses that we're going to look at, all right? So 
that's how we're going to do the recap. We're going to look at a few verses and then we're going to uh, let the Spirit prompt us to give affirmation and rejoice together. This is a continuation of the worship service. You now don't become a spectator. We're engaged. We're all participants. All right, so here we go. In Philippians 1.6, if you recall, many weeks ago, He who began a good work in you, who's that? God, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 1.13, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Now, as we looked at, Paul is in prison and he's had an influence in prison. And he believes that God has brought that about. I am in chains for Christ. Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians 1.27, stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Then Philippians 2 verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Philippians 2.14 Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. As we learned in Philippians 3.1, he wasn't done, even though he used the word finally. Philippians 3.7, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. That's one of my favorites. And this one too. I want to know Christ, Philippians 3.10, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Philippians 3.13, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Only let us live up then to what we have already attained. And that was the week we anchored in on the whole sanctification understanding. Philippians 3.20, For our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. And then Philippians 4, last week, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Do not be anxious, Philippians 4, 6, about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. By the way, with that uh, word last week, I had a few people exhort me concerning a statement I said that anxiety equals sin. If you're anxious in and of itself, when it comes, that's not sin. It's like temptation. When temptation comes, that's not sin. When you give in to temptation, that's sin. The anxiety issue I wanted to awaken us with, 
anxiety equals sin, is many times we think anxiety is a constant state that's okay for us to be in. Anxiety may come, but you take your anxiety to the Lord in prayer and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. So anxiety in of itself, when it comes, isn't sin. But listen, I think most of us have sinned with anxiousness because we just park there sometimes, right? So there's different exhortation that came from the Apostle Paul through these weeks that we spent time in his letter to the Christians in the city of Philippi as he wrote it from prison. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. We're just going to take a few moments. Is there a reason you want to stand and worship God by proclaiming to him a reason to rejoice? Now, here's the thing, as we've looked about these uh, last couple months, it may not be something happy. We can have joy in the midst of painful, difficult, dark circumstances. And Paul saw that. He saw the joy because joy does not equate to happiness. Joy equates to understanding God's at work in the midst of whatever it may be and finding our peace in him. So anybody, if you stand, just pop up and uh, say your first name and what's your reason to rejoice or maybe a truth that was helpful for you during this series as we just finish out the recap. Anyone? Covered it all with those verses, didn't I? Maybe something's going on in your life. You just want to give a shout out of joy to the Lord today. Amen. And you've really been here just since we started this series, right? The Philippians series. Yeah, that's great, Brendan. And Danielle, that's great. Someone else, just a reason to rejoice. It's good for the soul. Name. That's great, Paul. Amen. Amen. It's not a journey of loneliness in those situations. It's true. Someone else. You can sit, Adriana. I'm sorry. Can everybody hear her? No, you got to hear Adriana. So. I don't know if you know, but Adriana has not 
been filling well um, for. I rejoice because the two weeks that I was um, in the hospital, very ill, um, I told God every day, I shall not die, but live to declare your works. Amen. Amen. I think it's okay for me to share, but Adriana, uh, she went in the hospital February 24th, I think it was. And um, very, very scary situation. And uh, the Arabic church that meets after us, Dr. Bosch, who helps lead that congregation, is a, a medical doctor. And uh, I, we had a touch with him about concerns. I remember walking up to him the week after some situations changed. We won't go into it. And I said, she looked like she was dying. And he looked at me and he said, Carrie, she was dying. And God touched and healed her life. So huge praise. Amen. Did you take that mic, Josh? Okay, you can run that mic around if somebody has it. Other reasons to rejoice, praises of what God's doing in the midst of our lives. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give mics to you. I think it's best for everybody. Sorry. <laughs> uh, one thing, though, going through this study of joy in Christ, it reminded me that uh, joy is not just an emotion, not just happiness, but it actually is a spiritual force. And when mm-hmm. you use your joy for, as a spiritual force, it transforms that anxiety and just turns your whole life around. And that's one of the things that I was reminded of when we were going through this study, because mm-hmm. it is a fruit of the spirit. And it is a spiritual force. That's a good point, Mike. Thank yeah. you. It's a powerful force. You don't think of it that way. You think about something that you're wanting to receive rather than something that you have that moves forward in power. Anyone else? Just join Christ. We got a mic back there to the guy in the sound booth. Name. So, so my name is Steve, and uh, I shared with you a couple months ago how my sister, after 20 years, finally reached out and t- talked to me, and, and we got connected back together. And that was a blessing, you know, to be able to talk to her, and I talked to her on a weekly basis. I still haven't seen her, but I've talked to her at least on a weekly basis. Um, but just recently, she reached out to my dad after 20 year, 22 years. Wow. And uh, they really connected, and it's it's pretty powerful and she says she has such joy in her heart that she's unloaded this burden that mm. she's carried for 20 years and it just makes me happy mm. wow <laughs> it's a word of praise that's great that's great that's great anyone else me Up here oh go ahead you you go first Amen. Amen. <laughs> That's good word. Good word. 
I, I want to hitchhike on what she just said. Name. <laughs> um, my name is Mike, for those of you who don't know me. Uh, there's a lot of mics in this room, though. <laughs> you got a mic. And I got a mic. My re- rejoicing. I'm in a position to know what's going on in a lot of this body that's here that most of you aren't because of different things that I'm involved in. And, and my rejoicing is that this body has grown and has matured. They're not afraid to say, I need help. They're not afraid to say, please pray for me. You'd be surprised how many churches people mm-hmm. keep silent in their pain. And I'm rejoicing because people are open to share that. Mm-hmm. Get rid of the stuff, like you said. <laughs> Smart. We'll just do a couple more. Anybody? A couple more. I know. All right. Um, I have joy in knowing a true and living God who promises joy forevermore. Um, we live in a world where it's just it's crazy. Um, there's people that'll march to take away your guns, but won't march for life. Um, and if you look at these people, mostly political, uh, you know, these agendas that they have, they have no joy, you know. Satan has robbed these people of their joy, and they think by trying to take whatever we have, we hold our values, is going to bring them joy, and it's not, you know. So, you know, I, I joy in, in um, I have joy that, you know, even when people fail us or, you know, family, loved ones, you know, people let you down all the time. But, um, you know, and I, I was a soldier for 21 years, and I've, I've been around the world and been in some crappy places. But uh, Satan never took away my joy, no matter what, you know. And uh, I praise God for that. So, um, and in this study, uh, you know, it just reminds us to, to, to focus on Christ, who's promised all these wonderful, great things, and uh, if we just focus on him. So I have joy in that. And every day is new. And every, every day... God gives us another day to forget about what happened yesterday, to rejoice in him and have joy in him. And uh, it's good that, you know, we have a loving father that doesn't mm-hmm. hold anything on us, against us. So I join that. Thank you, Jason. Name. Janelle. Um, mine is more to um, encourage Carrie that this series was probably one of the best series that I've sat through at the five years I've been at this church, maybe. Um, I felt like your sanctification message was right on point, exactly what our church needed to hear. Um, Also, I love challenges, and I love competition, but I also like being told exactly a way to kind of plug into the study throughout the week. And last Mm -hmm. week, he said to write down um, each day, I rejoice in. And I started doing that this week, and Mm -hmm. I could not stop my rejoice list. And it really would turn that anxiety I was feeling in that moment Mm -hmm. into something that was actually useful. And um, I enjoyed that. So keep up your good work. Thank you. (laughs) I just wanted to say that. (laughs) Do you mind if I take a moment? Could your whole family stand? I know Cade's not with you. But... um, their son, Kate, how old is he? Nine. He's going in for some treatment this week concerning breathing issues. There's some concerns about side effects. This breathing issue has been with him for a long time and his whole life. Yeah. 
And so a little bit scary for you guys as he goes in, starts these treatments on a weekly basis, a monthly basis. Okay. And uh, can we just pray for you guys? Guys, just extend your hands to the Nelsons. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the Nelson family. And we just want to pray with them for Cade as he goes into these monthly treatments with a serious side effect that could develop that could even jeopardize life itself in some ways. And so we just pray, Jesus, that you would dissipate any side effect from this monthly treatment that they have looked forward to being able to see him provided with. And, Lord, you've provided the means because it's an expensive treatment and you've provided a way forward. We pray that you would bless Cade where he's at right now in the children's ministry, even heal him and touch him from this. But, Lord, through the doctor's hand and through these treatments, may you make him whole and may this breathing issue in his young life be something that becomes history for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Anyone else? All right, we're Levi up here too, I suppose. Who who do we have? Um, I want to say, oh, my name's Noemi. Hi. Um, I have joy because even though, um, you know, the Lord is constantly working on us and we think we got something, you know, handled and taken care of and, you know, you got this thorn in your side and, you know, you make a mistake and then the Lord reveals it to you. You're like, wow, I thought I had this, but, and you just, you know, you're so full of guilt, but he continues to pursue you because, you know, mm. he just wants to refine us and make us more into his image. And he will continually work on us and show us these dark places in our heart that he wants to, he wants mm. to make us more like him. And, and I have joy in that because I know that he's not going to give up on me and mm. he knows my heart. And thank you, Lord, <laughs> for forgiving me and just continually continually working on me amen amen that's true hard and dark yeah lord that's great we're gonna let this guy speak a word this is my son levi levi what do you uh, wow what do you have to rejoice for in jesus today well i am um, my vision but this is i mean i come Host, I don't go camp. So. That he went to camp. Yeah. 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 So, no, like, like, um, no, I am, like, I have friends. You're thankful for your friends, and you're thankful for Christ. You know, if I, like, um, my fucking, my, my friends, like, don't camp. So, like, um, um, about, like, a bachelor, about, to my room a little bit, and. Amen. So, to my room a little bit, so. Yeah, yes, I saw it next. So if I had to from you. And you're good. Say thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you,
Thank you, Levi. He always has a joyful, thankful heart. Many of these folks over here made his day on Friday. He had a special needs talent competition at the big Temecula Valley Performing Arts Center, and he got to play with the culture band of Joe's and sing. Young, old, challenged, over the top, whatever it is, we're all thankful for the joy that we have in Christ. So yesterday, Levi and mother's son, Zach, we went to see Paul, Apostle of Christ, that opened in theaters this weekend. Did any of you see the film yet? Few of you did. It's not a film that's going to make you lighthearted afterwards. In fact, it's a film that predominantly takes place in prison with Paul. The Apostle Paul, as recorded in Scripture, was in prison multiple times. It's believed that the first time he was in prison in Rome is when he wrote the letter to the church at Philippi. The movie actually takes place with him in prison at the latter part of the, God, of the Acts of the Apostles. And Luke, who wrote the Acts of the Apostles, it's a book in the Bible, um, is a part of this film. And he's interacting with Paul and writing down the Acts of the Apostle Paul and that word to get out to all of us. And it's heavy because it's taking place during the latter part of uh, the Acts of the Apostles, but when the persecution of the Christians under Nero started to really elevate in Rome. Now, we don't know fully if Paul made it out of prison that time. Some people believe that he did, and he made his way on to some other parts, including Spain and things. We don't really know how the Apostle Paul died. But I tell you what, for me, I greatly enjoyed the film because it gave context to this book that I hold right here. It's amazing how much we take for granted the scriptures that we've been given. Whether it's scriptures like a letter to the Philippians or the Acts of the Apostles. How in the world did we know about all this that was happening back then? And how did we ever come to know the words of the Apostle Paul who was a follower of Jesus Christ? It was because of faithful servants of Jesus Christ. People who were faithful to Jesus Christ, even to the point of their very own death. And so what we hold in our hands is the scriptures. We should never take lightly. In fact, sometimes I think, you know, we blow through not a week at a time, but months at a time without any serious study of the scriptures, like what we've been trying to do with this letter to the Christians in Philippi, because we have other more pressing things in life. But this word of God holds life for us. Because life is found in Jesus Christ. And we should be diligent students of the word of God. And understand it. From just some of your comments here. I want to thank you for being a diligent student of the word of God. The letter to the Christians in Philippi that the Apostle Paul wrote under great duress. Even though he said it was joy in Christ. Because his words of life are instructive for us, not in a just a teaching kind of format for information, but for us to experience. I think that's why I liked about what you just said about your dad, Paul, is that, you know, he's facing this now challenge that may very well take his life, right? Could. 
And he's identifying with the idea for me to live as Christ, but to die as gain. That's an experience that your dad's having, that he's carrying with him right now. And so whenever we study the Word of God, I don't want us just to learn it for the sake of, oh, that's a nice point, thank you very much, I'm going to put that into practice this week and then we forget it. We're asking the Word of God to form us and change us. How do we know what Jesus said? How do we know how his followers took his teachings and applied them to his life? By spending time in his Word. So if I could just say this on the heels of us finishing um, the book of Philippians. We don't do book studies too often as a church. We study the scriptures, but not all the way through a book. Be a diligent student and one who puts the word of God into action in your life. And you will find yourself on a good course. So, Paul, apostle of Christ, he's now going to finish his letter out to us going to pick back up with something we trailed off with last week. Philippians 4, 8 through 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I gave the instruction last week to write down th- ways that you're to rejoice. If you want some instruction this week, take the back of your program and take each one of those words and decide what applies to that word for you in your life. What is true in your life from the word of God? What is noble? What is right? Pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Put substance to those words as it relates to life. And then take your mind and begin dwelling on those things rather than the bad things. Because where your mind leads you is where your disposition will end up being during the course of a week. And Paul is exhorting them that they need to be thinking on these things. And then he says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. I thought it was interesting in the film uh, last night. They had this uh, group of Christians that were sort of in hiding because of persecution. And then they had Paul who was in prison and Luke trying to go in and visit him under sort of, you know, difficult kinds of terms. And the people that were back away and hiding, they were wanting to know, what would Paul say? What would Paul say to us? What would Paul say? Should we stay? Should we go? What would Paul say? And so Luke got a word, and he took the word back to them, and he says, this is sort of what Paul says, and if you want to know, you need to go see the movie. And um, what Paul was exhorting them was to put into practice that which he had been teaching them and to have discernment upon it. And so they were taking the word of God that they had received. They didn't maybe necessarily see it as the word of God like we see it today. It was a letter of one who was their mentor, their leader, their teacher, their preacher, the one who started the church in Philippi, who is now in prison a thousand miles away. They wanted to know what he would do. And so he says, Think about such things, put into practice these things, and the peace of God will be with you. And we have, we are blessed to have that document after these 2,000 years that we can look at, and we've been looking deeply at it during these weeks. But then he goes on in verse 10, he says this, oh my goodness, does he do it again? 
what did I say? 19 times in this small letter, he says to have joy, rejoice, or be glad. And here he is in verse uh, 10 of chapter 4. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you at last have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. What's he talking about? This letter was written to give to the man, Ephroditus, who brought a gift from the Christians in Philippi. The Christians in Philippi wanted to support and encourage Paul. We know from other places in Scripture that Paul was a tent maker. That was his vocation. All right? But he didn't make tents all the time. In fact, he would step in and step out of different seasons where he probably made attempts to provide for himself. And one of the main reasons he wanted to do it, he wanted to know that the gospel of Jesus Christ, salvation through Jesus Christ, having your sins forgiven, the hope of Christ, eternity set before you, is a free gift. And so Paul never wanted to charge, if you will. And so that's why he didn't want to be a burden to his Christians. It says this in other places like Corinth and stuff, that he did not want to burden them. So he would be a tent maker. However, if he was working this job, he wasn't able to give full devotion to the ministry that needed to press forward. So the people wanted to bless him as a minister, as a front runner of the gospel, as a apostle who was planting churches in a dark, dark world. They wanted to bless him that he didn't need to work another's job on the side. But he was very cautious of this, that he didn't want it to be a burden to them, but he knew it would enliven and help him. So finally, they were able to send him a gift. You couldn't send it through the mail back then. There was no organized mail system. You couldn't do the cash app on your phone to send him money. All right? They had to physically take funds to him or bless him with things. And so this is what he's saying. Indeed, you have been concerned, but had no opportunity to show it because there was no way for them to get the gift to him. And so Ephroditus, who had come to him to give him news about Philippi, and then Paul was writing this letter back to be sent through Ephroditus back to Philippi, says, I knew you didn't have any concern to show it. Verse 11, I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Now Paul's about ready to say something to us that could probably not be more important to us in this culture. We live in a materialistic world, do we not? Right now you are charting how you can reserve funds to buy the next thing. Paul's exhorting them that they need to learn to be content in whatever circumstances. Any of you discontent today? Come on. I have discontentment. And it's not just in wanting things. Sometimes it's wanting our circumstances to change, for things to go a different direction. Why is this my lot in life right now? Why can't things change? You're discontent. It's some of that anxiety we talked about last week. There's just sort of some rumblings in your soul. Maybe you've not even told anybody. Discontentment has settled in and it's sucking away your joy. Even if you're a Christ follower today, you're supposed to have joy in Christ, joy in Christ, right? But the world's saying to you, you don't have enough. 
You don't have enough prominence. You don't have enough position. You don't have enough recognition. You don't have enough wealth. You don't have enough provision. And we have this longing for more. Contentment normally means there's some want that's not being fulfilled in our life. We define contentment by looking at ourselves and what we need or want. Paul's going to exhort us to change our thinking as it relates to your definition of contentment. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Let me help us try to change our definition of contentment. True contentment is not having all that you want, but wanting only what you have. Don't put that one up there, Carrie. That's a hard one. I agree. When I made the slide, I'm like, I don't want to say that because I'm not there. I want something that I don't have. But true contentment needs to be measured by wanting only what I already have. Hmm. Wouldn't that be contentment? Just breathe on that one. Oh, yeah. I've got it. We've arrived. I'm not arrived. I I need this. I need that. I want that. No. Contentment means you don't want anything more than what you have. But the Apostle Paul is going to be exhorting us here that it's not just merely about uh, looking at uh, this idea of being content with ourselves and wanting we want, because he wants us to look at it from another uh, direction. Verse 13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I can do just a few things. Everything. That means everything that you say right now, I can't. I can't do that. I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough fortitude. I don't have enough relational connections. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't finish that course. I can't get that degree. I can't accomplish uh, that aspect of my career. I can't. No. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That's a powerful verse. You've heard it before. But it relates to this subject of contentment. You can be content. Whether with plenty or with little, you can because God is the one who gives you the strength and is able to meet your needs in all things. It's almost the theme of every verse that's in Philippians, I think is I can do everything through him who gives me strength. This is what I want us to look at, though, as far as a repositioning of our thinking relating to contentment. Contentment in living in plenty or in want requires the awareness that God puts me where he wants me 
for his purposes to love people. Simply, my wants must become what he wants. You see the truth in that? That's not easy. Because our whole life we're taught to be self-centered. Our things, I'm not in an ugly way. You know, you're born to acquire and to, to make haste and, and to accomplish things. I understand that. But somewhere in the midst of the crucible, it becomes about us rather than about the one who created us. And so we become very discontent. We become very anxious in these things because we're myopic. And our myopicness is focused on self rather than looking up to the broad horizon to God the Creator. It's God the Creator and what He's doing in this world. And God has chosen in our world to love people and to use things. But we've reversed it. And our world says to do what? Love things and use people. Some of you have been on the end of that. People have used you. They've abused you. They, they, they have taken advantage of you. It's wrong. That's not the way God intended for the world to be. God intended for the world to be loved. Through Him, we sang about it. God loves us. That's what this Easter Passion Week is about. He came and He was obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, Philippians said. And God then raised Him from the dead, exalted Him to the highest place. And God, through Christ, is able to change your life because He loves you. Yeah, you. But not just you. He loves the person next to you and the person on this side of the room and the person in the back. God loves people. He never intended for us to love things. But the world reverses it where the world ends up saying, love things, use people, and so the world's gone amok. If you're going to find contentment, you've got to flip it around. And Paul's saying this through what he's speaking here. Contentment in living in plenty or in want requires the awareness that God puts me here where he wants for his purposes to love people. Simply, my wants must become what he wants. The reason Paul could say, I am in chains for Christ, is because his sense of contentment wasn't about freedom from some shackles. His sense of freedom was found in fulfilling the purpose of God. And for whatever reason, God had placed him in prison to have an impact on the Roman world at that time and others, and to write things that maybe he would have never, ever written down. If you think about that, if Paul wasn't in prison, we wouldn't have some of the epistles that we have. He would have just spoken it. He'd gone to visit them. They didn't have the recorder or, you know, let me, let me get my phone out and record that. They didn't have that. But he was put in prison to write things out. He understood that where he was, his circumstances were for the purpose of God to do his work and to love people. He didn't see it all at that time. He does now as he's with the Lord. What about you and I? I've had some nasty situations in life where i'm curled up almost in depression and depression and i'm like okay i don't understand this god but i've got to defer to you i got to defer to you i am not in a happy place but i can find joy in this place and i can find contentment in this place if i stop thinking about contentment related to my wants even my own needs and i start thinking about other people that's a radical shift. 
It's a radical shift and you have to be disciplined to move with that shift every day of your life. Paul did not judge situations by how he felt about them. He recognized that every one of them was a choice of God for him. Not to meet his own needs, but to serve God's purposes. But here's our problem. That's not the most important thing for us a lot of times. God's purposes. And we just have to acknowledge our self-centeredness. And I'm not saying it has to be ripped out of you. I call it the expulsive power of a competing passion. If one girl dumps you, you never get over that until the next girl comes along. That's self-centeredness. You start to die to self and lose a sense of self when you get consumed with the beauty of Jesus Christ and who he is in his love. The power of a love in Jesus Christ, part of that power is it expels your self-centered focus. Have you had some difficulties with somebody this week? Have you been a little selfish with it? You go to Jesus and you say, Jesus, show me your love for me all over again. Show me how much you love that person. Maybe that person's offended you. Maybe that person's maybe misunderstood. I don't know. But it, it's, it's, it's the expulsive power of this competing passion of loving Jesus. And he helps reset our order and our perspective in life. If you try to do it your own, if you try to do religion, just forget it. It's a miserable life. But if you get consumed with the relationship, the relationship will expel some of the dark sin and get you consumed with the things that are of God's purposes. And your contentment will be realigned according to his love for people. Not your love for things. He moves on and he says this. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover as you Philippians know in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel. When I set out from Macedonia. Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. He's talking about this gift of what they sent to him. Verse 17, not that I am looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Ephroditus the gifts that you sent to me here in prison. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to the Lord. And then he says this verse that some of you very well know. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Do you think in a human fleshly manner, Paul was discontent and needed things or had wants? Sure he did. But he took those to the Lord and God's purposes. Here these people were that brought him a gift. And the gift was a fragrant offering to him. But he was not saying, hey, thank you so much for now I am satisfied. He was excited about what it was going to do back in their life. Because it was changing the way they viewed life. More blessed to give than to receive, Jesus said. It's the same kind of thing. He was interested in the interest that they would earn on the gift that they'd given to him because that interest would fill their life to the full. 
not in monetary means, but in the means of blessing because they knew they were serving the purposes of God and loving people, not loving things. Our God will supply all our needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And then he concludes, I conclude, I'm sorry, by just coming back to where we established this whole series. Joy is fleeting when based upon circumstances, but steadfast when founded upon Christ Himself and His eternal purposes. I don't know what you thought coming into this series. Joy on Christ, rejoice. It's not a positive thinking kind of TED seminar. This is truth from the heart of Christ himself through his apostle who had experienced what it meant to have joy, to not live in anxiety, to be content. And it was to be found in the purposes of Christ himself, not in our self-centered or self-focused gain. It's a personal letter. It's finished out this way. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he sort of takes his own hand and he writes these words as the band starts to come to close us. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. He's writing this with his own hand. Probably big letters because he had bad eyesight, they say. That's why someone else had to write his letter. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household because people in Caesar's household have become Christians because of Paul's imprisonment. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. Amen. What does the word amen say mean? It means so be it. So this truth that's wrapped up in our eternal purposes being found I mean, our joy found not in our circumstances, but the purposes of Christ and His eternal purposes. So be it. Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the one that brings us hope for this life and eternal life. If you're weak in joy, bothered by circumstances, anxiety, discontentment, let's move our focus back to what this song's about. The ushers are going to come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings as well as your connection cards. Let's worship Him as we close this series in this morning.